Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Leaving the promise. I believe that life is built on promises. The whole life, everything we do, they go around promises. For example, marriage is a promise between a husband and a wife. They promise each other to stay together, to stick together. A job contract is a promise between an employee and employer. One promises to pay, another one promises service. Uh, every time we book an appointment, we, we promise to show up. Or we, we book an appointment to see a doctor. We, we promise to be there and the doctor promises to be there for us and listen to us and, and, and give us uh, the treatment. A dentist, when we go to the dentist, we book, we book an appointment. All these are promises. Promises to show up and promises to receive a service. We make promises every day, every day. Businesses are built on promises. The difference between a normal business and a great business is just in their capacity the ability to keep their promises. Great businesses, they keep their promises. They say things and they do it. Great businesses deliver. They deliver their promises. The difference between a dysfunctional and a healthy marriage is, lies within their, their promises. Healthy marriages, partners make promises and stick to them and deliver. They fulfill the, those promises. Life is built on promises. This is a definition I want to suggest for, for, for a promise. A promise, I define a promise as a declaration or assurance that one will do or not do something or that a particular thing will or will not happen. A promise that you will do or will not do something or a promise that something will happen or will not happen. Progress is made when promises are kept. In fact, progress is a, is a result of promises kept. That's what we call promise, uh, progress. When people keep, the government keeps their promises, people keep their promises, we see progress. The problem now comes sometimes because of some circumstances Beyond our own control, we fail to keep our promises. We fail to keep our promises because of things that we can't control. For example, uh, in 2011, when I left Africa, I came to Australia with my wife, then my wife went back to Africa. I promised to my children they will join me in three months. But uh, just for those who know the story, you know that it took four years for them to join me. It took four years to fulfill the promise to the kid that I was telling them you'll come soon, 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 until the, the, the word soon lost its meaning. That promise was not within my ability to deliver. But there are also promises that are within our capacity to deliver, and we make them, and sometimes we forget to, to fulfill them. For example, I promised my, my, my daughter Iris, uh, my princess Iris, that I'll be taking her to the ballet dance every Monday at seven, uh, at 5 p.m. And sometimes I find myself still in the office at, at 5, and I will receive a call from home. I forgot that I have to pick her and take her to the ballet. 
And that was a broken promise from a father who could have done it. I could have done it. It was within my ability of just to, just for the record. I, I learned my lesson and, and I started to do it well. So every day I left the office 4.30 so that I'm there on time. But the, the thing is, when we promise things to people and then we, we to, let me talk about children. Every time you promise your children things that within your ability and you don't fulfill it, they learn, they don't learn to take words seriously. So they, they, they grow up as people who don't value commitment. They grow up as people who don't, they don't value their own word. So parents, we should be careful with our promises. Small promises about chocolates, about a trip to the park. We need to be careful about what we say. Most people grow up in families that parents, uh, the people who grew up in families that parents don't uh, value their promises, they, they struggle with commitment later in life. They do struggle with, with, with commitment. So I would say, parents, please stop ignoring small promises you make to, to your children. I've learned that lesson myself for the thing that I can, so I'm just sharing this for free. You don't need to pay for that. Why are promises important? Why promises are important? I want you to realize what, what, I'm, what, what, what we are about to say here. Promises generate hope. And without hope, people become dangerous. People become angry, vicious. Without hope, life becomes meaningless. Without hope, we do unthinkable things as human beings. So the world needs hope. So it's hope that makes people invest in businesses. It's hope that makes people get married. It's hope that makes Mothers keep a babies in their womb for nine months, despite all the discomfort. It's hope that carries the, the mother for nine months with something in their stomach, with pain and discomfort. Hope. Hope. Promises generate hope. Our Christian life is built on promises. Christian, Christianity is built on promises. The Christian life is totally dependent upon God's promises. Christianity is built upon promises and these promises are found in the Bible. Christianity is built upon promises and these promises are found in the Bible. The only reason we are certain, I am certain, that I have eternal life, a home in heaven, and the resurrection body is awaiting me, is because Jesus guaranteed it. He said it to his followers, that we will have heaven as a result of following him. It's a promise that makes me live the life I live today. God's promises generate hope. Then hope generates faith. Then faith moves God. Hebrew chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about we do not see. Look at this, this scripture well. Hope is the engine of faith. You can't have faith without hope because faith is the confidence in what we hope for. So if you remove hope, you don't have faith. Hope is at the center, is the engine of faith. 
Now, let's move to the next step. If hope is the engine of faith, what is faith made of? Let's move to that one. Hebrew 11.6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith pleases God. Hope generates faith. And promises generate hope then we need to pay attention to promises. I will say that again. We have promises that generate hope. There is a, I think there is, a, there is a, a, a graphic there for you. Promises generate hope. Hope generates faith, and faith moves God. You need to pay attention to this. Promises generate hope because... Hope is made of promises. Hope generates faith. Why? Because faith is made of hope. And God is moved by faith. Why? Because that's what he says in the Bible. So you need to understand, we need to pay attention to promises because promises will move God at the end of the day. It is important to understand that the enemy, when I talk about the enemy, I mean Satan. If you've never heard of him, He's the bad guy, the villain. It is important to understand that the enemy will make sure you stay ignorant of God's promises so that you can lose hope. Then you lose faith. And finally, you struggle to see God's work in your life. So he hides promises in your life, the promises of God, so that you lose hope. Then you lose faith. And then you don't see God at move in your life. The main instrument that the enemy uses is fear. He uses fear. Fear feeds on the anticipation of worse. We heard about fear this morning. I just want to talk about it a little. Fear is believing a promise that things will go wrong. There is still a promise in fear. There is still anticipation in fear. You believe something will go wrong. God does not want us to spend our lives preoccupied by the next worst thing that may happen to us. That God doesn't want us to keep thinking all the time about the next worst situation that will happen to our children, to ourselves, to our finances, to our health. God does not want us to live a life like that. It doesn't mean that we will ignore problems. It doesn't mean that we will ignore pain. No. David did not ignore problems. He did not ignore challenges when he said in Psalm 23, verse 4, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You will understand, David did not say, even if I walk through the valley. He said, even when, he knew he will. It's a when, it's not a if. He knew he will walk through the valley, the darkest valley. He knew that. So that he said he will not be afraid when it happens, not if it happened. David knew that fear is real. Challenges are real. Problems are real. Not to fear is a choice. A choice to trust God. A promise to refocus on God and his word. That is lack of, that, that is victory over fear. So this is what I want to suggest to you. Faith finds God's promise, believes it, speaks it, and acts upon it. Faith 
finds the word of God, believes in it, speaks it, and acts upon it. While fear finds the word from the enemy, the lie from the enemy, believes it, speaks it, and acts upon it. Some Bible scholars, they suggest that we have more than 3,000 promises in the Bible. I don't know, I haven't counted yet. But I can confidently say that there is enough promises in the Bible. There are quite a few. There are enough promises in the Bible. Numbers chapter 23 verse 19 says, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? There are promises in the Bible and God promised, promised them and he will act to fulfill them. So why should we believe God's promises? Why should we believe these promises we are talking about now? Okay, th this is what I think. The validity of a promise is dependent on the character and the ability of the one who makes it. The reason we fail to fulfill some promises is because sometimes they are beyond our ability. I spoke about the visa for me. It was beyond my ability. So even if I promised, I could not deliver. If I promise you guys that every one of you at home, you receive $1 million from me. After this service, you know you're not going to get it. So you can't believe in that promise. You cannot. So my ability to fulfill will impact your capacity to believe in the promise. But also the character is important. If you know somebody can do it, if you go to Oprah show and, he say, and she says, everyone in this room will get a car, you know you will get it. She's got the ability, she's got the will. So we believe promises when we see the person who is making it, we see his character or her character, ability, and we say, oh, this can be delivered. So that's the same thing we need to look at when we hear from God, a promise from God. We check his character, we check his ability, and then we can believe, we can choose to believe the promise or not. A promise is as good as the promise maker. The character and the ability of God affirm that he will keep all his promises. Hebrew 10, 23, it says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted, he can be trusted to keep his promise. God can be trusted to keep his promise. Here, is, here are four, four main, main aspects of God's character that I want to share with you. His character. God is truthful. He's always, always right. He's always right. God is faithful. He's always, he keeps his word. He says what he does and he does what he says. That's the difference between God and you. That's the difference between God and me. We say things we don't mean. God doesn't joke. He doesn't say, oh, I was just, you know, I was just kidding. He doesn't say that. Everything he says, he does. Everything he does, he says. So his word and his action are the same, that we call him faithful. God is immutable. He's unchanging over time or unchangeable. He's unable to be changed. You cannot change him, which means if you saw God 2,000 years ago and you meet him today on the street, he'll be the same guy. If you meet him tomorrow, he'll be the same person. We change overnight. 
We change overnight. God has been the same for years. We humans being, human beings, we change overnight. You marry someone, after two months, the person says, I don't love you anymore. We change overnight. God doesn't. He's immutable. His love always has our best interest at heart. So this is the character of God. Let's look at his, his ability. He's omniscient. He knows everything more than your doctor. He knows everything. He's smarter than the guy in your classroom. He's really, he knows everything. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere under the ocean. He's there in the cloud. He's everywhere. He's omniscient. God is omnipresent. He's omnipotent. I love this because I know if he says, I will give you a million, he's got it. I know he's got the ability to do what he says. He can do all things. So the question tonight is, what is God's promise in this season? What is God's promise for us in this season? We understand that promises are important. They generate hope. We understand hope is important because it creates faith. We understand faith is important because it brings the move of God and we see move of God because of our faith. We understand that. So what is God promising to us in this season that we are living in today? You know what? I know what our government is saying. I listen to the prime minister. I listen to government. I listen to the president of America. I listen to the president of France. And I know what they are saying. I also know what my doctor is saying. Oh, you know maybe what your doctor is saying. We know what they are saying. We know what, I know what's my, the opinion of my spouse, my wife. I know what she's saying about these things. I know. But the question is, do we know what God is saying? We know what people around us are saying. We know what ourselves we are thinking, but do you know what God is saying in this season? And that is the question I want to answer you now. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20b, it says, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Wait a moment. Who is talking here? Jesus. Jesus is about to leave his disciples. You know, in our, in our culture, the final word of a person are taken with high consideration. When someone is about to die or to leave, what they say at the end is really important. And Jesus' final promise to his disciples begins with an emphasis translated as, and surely. That's his final word, promise. He says, and surely he wants them to understand. I'm serious about what I'm about to say. I mean what I'm about to tell you. He doesn't just start, start the statement. He wants to start with, surely, guys, if you'll forget everything, don't miss this one. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This assurance is not for the future. He's not saying, I will be with you. He's saying, I am with you. It's a present tense Jesus is using. I am with you. It's clear that he's reminding them that his presence will not be for something that will happen. It's for every time, in every now, Jesus is there. Every now, every present, Jesus is there. You are not waiting for him to show up as if you are calling the police and waiting for them to take two hours. No. Or the fire brigade, you are waiting for them to take six hours. No. Jesus is there now. 
is here now with us. Jesus knew his disciples will face uncertainty. He knew we will face pandemics. He knew we will face financial crisis. That's why his last promise was his presence and not just healing. He did not promise healing. He did not promise money. He did not promise a new job. He promised himself. He promised his presence. He knew even when everything leaves you, your job may leave you, money may leave you, your health may go. He promised to be there. Despite everything else, Jesus will be always there. Let me take you through a few examples. God's presence empowered Moses to face Pharaoh. Moses was in, was in exile. He, fl he flee. He, he left Egypt because of the damage he caused. He killed someone. He was running from Pharaoh because he killed a, 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 an Egyptian. But God sent him back to Pharaoh to demand the release of all slaves. Moses succeeded in his mission and took all of the children of Israel with him. You know why? God was with him. The presence of God was with him. And this is what he said. Moses himself said during the journey. He said, Exodus chapter 33 verse 15. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. He knew the value of God's presence. Exodus 13, 21. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so they could travel by day or night. The presence of God walked with them. God's presence sustained Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you've read, read, the, read the Bible, you will understand this story. God's presence was, was with them in the fire. They were put in the fire to die, three of them. Then the God's presence was there for, they became four because of the son of God appeared. In the, the Bible says, on 24, uh, Daniel 3, 24 to 25, I'll read 24. Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of God. God's presence was there. God's presence comforted David when he walked through the valley of shadow of death. God's presence for centuries. Jesus' disciples have faced persecution, even death, without fear. Why? The presence of Jesus was there. Paul, he faced opposition, prison, even death with determination, thanks to the presence of God. They knew Jesus was always with them. The presence of God is the game changer. Jesus' character and ability imply that when he says, I am with you, he means it. In this pandemic, like the COVID-19, we may feel lonely or abandoned, but Jesus is with us. He promised his presence. I've been through many epidemics myself. Malaria, cholera, Ebola in Africa. I saw people dying, neighbors and people, and it was on the news. One thing that kept our family strong was our trust in the promises of God. 
We are not better than others who were dying. No, it's just the strength to stand in that moment was caused by the acknowledgement that Jesus is with us. I want to encourage you in this moment. Believe in the presence of God. Believe he's there with you. Believe God is with you. Sitting there in your couch, he's there with you. In your bedroom, in the car, Jesus' presence is with you. Jesus is always with us, but we will not always feel it. We will not always feel his presence. So it requires faith. It requires believing in the promise. Believing in the promise that he said he will be with us. And that's what I'm encouraging you in this season. A lot is happening. People are losing their jobs. People are losing their lives. It's real, I know. But the promise of God is real. He said, I will be with you. Remember, he is with you. As a matter of fact, Jesus did not promise healing, but his, his presence brings healing. He did not promise money, but his presence brings provision. He did not promise protection, but his presence brings protection. So you need to know, he promised his presence because it's a package. It comes with everything. The presence of God brings everything. Acknowledging the presence of God brings comfort. Acknowledging the presence of God brings hope. Acknowledging the presence of God brightens up the future. Jesus meant it when he said, I am with you always. If indeed Jesus said it, indeed he is there. He is there with you today. Fear not. You are not alone. You are not alone. There may be other voices telling you that God has forgotten you. Your circumstances may seem like God is not present in your life. Maybe you've been infected by this virus. Or maybe your family. Or maybe you've lost your job. Or maybe you are not. You're just worried. Remember, Jesus is present. He will carry you through this. God cares. God's character and ability qualify him to be trusted by you. Finally, finally, God may be present, but you may ignore him. Jesus is asking if you can open your heart and welcome him in your life today. It simply means that you invite him to be part of your decisions, part of your life. You trust him and you walk with him. Would you stop ignoring him? tonight? Would you stop ignoring Jesus? Acknowledging Jesus makes this difference in your life. There is a graphic I want you to, to, to check. Life without Jesus is zero trillion, zero, 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 and you at the end. One. Everything you add to your life is a zero. It doesn't add, add any value. Anything you add, job, anything you add, marriage, relationship, friendship, trips, holidays, it's nothing before God. If you have no Jesus in your life, and I'm telling you, if you invite Jesus in your life, it's the one in front. You put him first in your life. Everything else that you add to your life adds value. It's become trillions. Why? Because Jesus is first. Everything else you add into your life makes sense. So I want to, I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you tonight to invite Jesus in your life. Everything will make sense. Everything will add value. Jesus is always with us, 
but you will not always feel it. I want to pray with you. If you want to receive Jesus in your life tonight, just wherever you are, you can pray with me. You can just say amen at the end of this prayer. And if you have given your life to Jesus, but you, feel, you are feeling lonely, you are feeling, you are struggling in your mind, remember, leave the promise. God is with you. Leave the promise. Jesus said, I am with you. We can trust him. He is with us. Nothing will happen to you unless he allows it. You are safe. You are protected. You are blessed by him. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for those who have listened to this message tonight. Lord, I pray that whoever has, has listened to this for the first time, Lord, I pray that they will welcome you in their heart and they will open their heart and begin to make their decisions based on you, Jesus. Your word will guide them, will become the standard of their lives. And my sister and my brother who is struggling with loneliness, I pray that they will feel your presence in their room, in their bedroom, in their laundry room, in their cars. They will feel your presence wherever they are. Lord, let your church know that you promise to be present and you will always be present. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.